welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. Welcome back to Value of Value. This is part two of a conversation we had with Fiona Gonzalez, who is a special education teacher in Orange County, California. She works with adult severe um, SPED students, helping them prepare for life after school, working, helping them get the job skills and training and all the things that they need. Um, this was such an enlightening and fun conversation to have with her and just brought us a whole new perspective on, you know, what what the special education teachers are doing and, and the services they are providing, but also just a reminder of the basic skills that we all need of how to interview and, and to do those things. It was such a fun conversation and, and to kick back and think back to our first jobs. We really had a fun time uh, in this part of the episode talking about how we got our first jobs and man Fiona and I couldn't have had different experiences in that so we hope you enjoyed this episode make sure you go follow Fiona the spedding adult uh, everywhere online and, and if you like what we're doing please share please like it please subscribe and, and help us get it out tomorrow so we hope you enjoy this this is episode 262 of the value of podcast so so being that you're kindergarten all the way through adult transition it, it, are those skills are, are they like those job skills and that's are they being talked about all the way as young as kindergarten or is there still kind of a, a general progression of of those skills through the program um i, I believe with um the primary curriculum because we still try and follow gen ed curriculum but adapt it um, i believe you know career skills are technically mentioned starting in kindergarten. And that starts with just career exploration, such as like community helpers or those types of lessons, just exposing students to like just the names of different career paths. And then we really start focusing on it more in middle school, or at least in our program. That's when we start having students participate in on-campus jobs. So whether that be going to like go and clean the cafeteria or help pass out lunches um, or help deliver, you know, a, a new stack of papers that got delivered or something along those lines. So we, we start all of that in middle school. And then as we progress to high school, we start doing having them get involved more with the on-campus jobs. And then as well as um, I go and teach vocation instruction in each classroom. So every classroom gets 30 minutes a week with me and I teach career skills and, um, and then adult transition is where we really focus. That's when they start going off campus and doing work experience in the nearby businesses. So does, does your marketing degree help you as you're going out there and trying to make connections with businesses and facilitating those relationships? I suppose it probably does. Um, yeah. Cause in, in a sense we have to, you know, I have to sell the students to the business and get them on board, especially if they've never, 
you know, come into contact with somebody that has a disability and they're not familiar or they might be, you know, scared or just not know what it's all about. And I have, you know, I have to reassure them that, you know, this is benefiting the students. It's going to benefit your business in the long run. Um, you know, it's a win-win situation for everyone. And I don't have too much trouble with it in our city because um, we have several different um, special education programs in our city. So I believe everyone's pretty familiar with seeing special education groups out in the community pretty often because um, they're, yeah. So I, in a sense, I'm actually competing with other schools to secure job sites. So um, it's just, that's more about just me getting out there first and securing a job site before another school does. But yeah, everyone's pretty friendly and accepting and willing to um, customize jobs for our students that work for them. And, and what are the most, I guess, what are the most common you know, types of jobs that students from the program are, are going into? So most of the jobs that we can get from a lot of the business nearby us are um, like basic sweeping or dusting on the shelves. Um, we do where they're stocking the product onto the shelf, you know, from the back or, um, you know, we work at a pizza place and they might fill in like the cheese and the pepper containers. Um, we have other places, uh, we go to like the library and they might go put back the books or organize the order of them. So it's it's usually pretty basic cleaning and organizational skills. Um, we don't have any um, job sites where it's much beyond that. Um, but my students through the workability grant, they do receive a paycheck and on top of that. So, cause it's actually illegal to, you know, have them have a business benefit from our work and not pay them mm -hmm. just so everyone knows. <laughs> so yeah, anyone that's, it, it has to be a volunteer uh, nonprofit if it's not paid. So like when we go to the library, that's not paid because it's a nonprofit and we have a couple other nonprofits that we volunteer at like a, um, like the Goodwill and a couple other similar places that have like thrift shop type of atmosphere. Yeah, and do so. And when you're doing that, do y'all? So I'm guessing that before, once you know the potential sites, when you're working on those transitions, y'all do that in the at the school to kind of get them ready for what they're going to be doing there, or is it pretty much waiting until they get there to do that on the job? Um, we do try and replicate some of those skills. Um, we have a vocation lab at, on campus, so. Basically, what's in that lab is a bunch of work tasks that they can work on independently, and it'll just focus in on one particular skill. And so an example would be, so the bagging groceries activity that you were talking about earlier, it would be something like that, but focused in on a hands-on box. Mm -hmm. So I might have them practice bagging groceries over and over so that they like really, because repetition is key for special education, just practice that skill over and over and over. Um, and, you know, throw in little different things here and there to make it a little different. But um, yeah, we, and that way we're also able to assess, you know, do they like bagging groceries or, you know, is that something that they're going to just throw a behavior over because they absolutely hate it. 
So let's find something that they do enjoy doing or something that they are good at. And so that's kind of part of doing the on-campus jobs and work tasks on campus first to assess what's going to work off campus. And then from there, that's where they really get the practical hands-on experience. With the workability grant, how long do, how long are they paid out? Like, is there a certain age where they kind of time out of it? Or is it as long as they're working? Um, there's different levels of it. So you can get one for the middle school level. Um, we have ours for the high school uh, transition level. And then I believe there are ones for adult programs, which is beyond um, the age of 22 also. <laughs> So, so in that program, as you're preparing the adults and the students to go out and, you know, be self-sufficient and have those jobs, what is the importance of building relationships with them to be able to, to you know, make sure that they get those skills and they feel comfortable? How, how important is that relationship piece? Um, as I mentioned earlier, I, you know, the better I get to know my students, the more successful my lessons will be. Um, as far as, you know, knowing what's going to motivate them or what's going to trigger them. Um, and I'm able to help my students make progress. And these lessons are helping them become more independent in the home, community, and workplace, and which in turn will lead to a happier life. Um, you know, as you get a sense of pride and you're a contributing member of society. And that's that's what it's all about. Do you think there are skills in terms of jobs and and being able to to live independently that are missing from like the general school curriculums right now because you know you you hear I, I know I always hear these stories and maybe they're urban legends of these you know 19 20 20 20 22 year old kids that go into job interviews wearing jeans and and doing all of those things and maybe it is an urban legend but what you know? What are the skills that you think all all students should have as they get out of high school and they're transitioning, whether it's to the workforce or to college? Um, yeah, I was actually just talking to my husband about this, and I I know that a lot of schools have like the home ec program, which for me that was an elective, and I didn't I like took art instead, so I didn't get the chance to take home ec, which I wish I did. But you know, I I wish there was programs in high school that taught you financial literacy and you know basic home skills maybe you know how to do basic repairs um, and same thing with vocational skills the basics of you know interviewing and looking professional and all that kind of what to wear to an interview um, I feel like that's such an important component that you know I've heard colleges have classes on that stuff but I feel like by that time it's too late like that's stuff you need to know before you get your first job. Um, you know, and going beyond that, I, I wish there was classes on, you know, how what a mortgage is or how to pay taxes or that that's a whole world that I'm still trying to figure out and I'm well beyond the, <laughs> you know, I've been doing it for many years. <laughs> well, yeah, and and I think how applicable that would be, you know, because for me, I grew up in a teeny tiny small town. So like everybody just kind of knew that like oh they need someone at the pizza restaurant that's how I got my first job like it was you heard through the grapevine that they needed someone at the pizza restaurant I walked down there or I, I went there and they knew they already knew who I was 
So as soon as I was like, hey, I'd like to work here, they were like, okay, we like you. And then my second job at the hardware store was a guy that my dad graduated high school with. He needed somebody. So he called my dad and said, hey, will Kyle come and work? And I was like, okay. And then my next job was at the city, same thing. Someone called and was like, hey, do you want to work this? So by the time I got out, and then my college job, a family friend knew the owner of the restaurant I worked at at college. So I had never gotten a job on my own merits. Yeah, you never had to search for one. And that's a that's a whole nother skill in itself is searching yeah. for yeah. <laughs> so then, So then it's the last semester of my college as I'm student teaching and they want us to do these mock interviews. And I'm like, what? What's a job? What's I've never I've never taken a job interview. You know, and now that I think back on it, I'm like, no wonder I didn't get any of those first teaching jobs I had because I'd never the first job interview I ever had were for teaching jobs. Wow. You know, so I just I just think about that and and I and I know that's still how it happens in small towns. Yeah. I mean, it's complete opposite for me. I had to do 20 interviews before I got my first my first job. Like it was pretty depressing. <laughs> you know? Nobody wants to hire a 16 year old that has no experience. You know, where where oh, were some of these experience? Where were some of these 20 places? It was literally anything and everything that I, that was anywhere nearby. So you know, I would I went to like the local Dairy Queen or. Uh, Ruby's or Steinmart, Vons, you know, whatever had an opening. I, even if they didn't have an opening, I was like, please just give me a chance when you do have an opening. <laughs> so I, I finally ended up landing my first gig at an ice rink. <laughs> and where did you grow up? In um, Yorba Linda, California. So it's still. Oh, so they, they have ice rinks out there? Oh, yeah. Hockey's huge out here. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Figure skating. oh yeah what was your first i mean now i'm intrigued what was your first job at the ice rink um so just working like the snack bar or checking people in for when they you know a cashier um i also was decent at skating so i was a skate guard so i'd be out on the ice skating and helping people get up after they fell or yelling at them if they were going too fast that's a, <laughs> such thing as this you call it a skate what is it called skate guard a, wow i didn't know that position existed. yeah um and then yeah i eventually moved on to working and doing the event planning for the ice rink so i booked all the birthday parties and all that kind of stuff <laughs> that's that's so funny that's wow but you know, I think it's interesting because like you say, I'm here I am now. I've been in the workforce for many years. Um, I was fortunate enough to start working at about 14. Um, my mom worked at a mall. She was the manager of a store and uh, I asked her if I could get a job and she said, well, if they'll hire you, I'll, I'll sign the liability. Because at that in Texas, if you're under 16, you have to have a parent liability waiver. So my mom was like, well, I'll be here and you'll be, you know, you'll be right here with me. So yeah, I'll sign if you work a couple of days a week. Um, and I never forget the interview I went on, the guy who interviewed me, um, he asked me, he said, why would you want to work in the mall? And I was honest and I was like, because my mom's here? <laughs> Probably not the best answer. Uh, <laughs> but um and he said, well, why else? I said, well, I'm pretty good with numbers, you know, and, you know, I figured that if I'm working a cashier, 
you know, I know how to count down teals and do things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, that was my first job working at A&W Hot Dog Place, you know, right. and, and it was like I say, that was that experience of interviewing with someone. I mean, I can, I mean, I've been on several interviews um, since then, but all this time I've been in the workforce, like I say, since 14 to now, I've never known about the position of a skate guard. Like you would need skate guards on the ice rink, like you would need a lifeguard at a pool, but it makes sense. Yeah. But it also shows me how limited as educators we are preparing students for positions that actually exist, probably because of our own ignorance of what we of not knowing what jobs are out in the workforce besides yeah. the big ones that that you always talk about going to do this. Yeah. So I think that's, I mean, you've opened my eyes up now to where I need to do more research so I can know how to better adequately prepare students for things they could encounter moving yeah. forward. There are so many jobs out there that I don't know exist. Like every time I drive by a business building, I'm like, wonder what type of business that is or what positions are in. Like, mm -hmm. that's my crazy mind. Just I thinking about that. So I'm sure nobody else thinks about that stuff, but, but I do. And, you know, I'm always curious, like there's just, there's so many jobs out there that I've never heard of. And it's always, you know, that's part of like, when you talk to somebody that you just met and they tell you about a job they do and you're like, wow, I didn't know that existed. That's cool. Like that's, that's mm -hmm. rad. Well, and, and for me, I think about it too, in, in regards to the education system, how heavily they push college and and the example is my best buddy that I grew up in high school with he went to college four and a half years before he realized that he was really good with his hands and that he he instead of if he stopped going to college he could be saving all of his tuition plus making double that working construction and now he's on the verge of owning his own con business because you know he learned those skills and I just think like how many great paying jobs are out there that don't necessarily require a high school degree you know you know going in going into the trades like before I moved to Houston I didn't realize that there were like you know the guys that work on the oil field or you know work on the oil rigs out in the gulf it's like yeah does that job what, what do they do will like 21 days on 14 yeah. days off and mm -hmm. like but they make a great living and they do you know important work like you said now i'm gonna start and see now i'm gonna start doing that i'm gonna drive by every building and be like i, I wonder i wonder what they're doing in there <laughs> but, yeah, that opened my eyes up that opened my eyes up skate card <laughs> yeah i mean it's kind of i think it, yeah i'm gonna I mean, it's kind of, I think it's kind of like snow patrol where you, you know, if you like work at a, a, a ski hill or a sledding hill, you make sure that kids aren't, you know, bombing, doing the things that they're not supposed to. So, um, Will, you got any, you know, last follow-up questions before you uh, let her have the uh, the last two here and wrap it up? Uh, no, I, I, I just want to say thank you for taking this time. Um, I, I love what we do with the podcast because again it gets to us to connect with educators that expand our minds before our listeners get a chance to have their minds expanded um and i think you you the work that you're doing and the information you shared today i'm hoping that some teacher will listen to it and and approach how 
change their approach to teaching special education students. Um, again, it's always been near and dear for me because I can say my, my first instance working at a group home uh, with um, dual diagnosed girls, it was all girls and seeing the struggles and hearing the stories and you know when you're reading case files, it, 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 it breaks your heart, but then it motivates you to want to change their future. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, you know, that whole idea of understanding that with that challenge that they're facing, you're still faced with the challenge of what can I get you to do to make you self-sufficient? What can I get it so that you're not consistently dependent on that system? And I think that the work you're doing at that age, working in that high school transition is so important because so many of our students will finish and then, you know, what's next? You know, it's like, we don't wanna, we don't, you don't see too many press releases or exciting news that comes out about what's next for our kids in that special population once they graduate. You know, we announced, oh, they got a scholarship to go to Morehouse or they got a scholarship to go here and full ride to go to this place or going to the Air Force Academy. But what about the student who successfully transitioned and now they're working on their own living in a one bedroom apartment? Like, we don't celebrate that. Yeah. And that's just as equally important in, in, in our scheme, scheme yeah. of education. Thank you. Definitely. Right. And, and so I think, again, too, thank you. Yeah. And it's a good reminder for me. Like, I teach middle school social studies. So I'm in a great spot to like work on those, you know, not just with my specialists, but with all my kids of like, how do you interview? How do you do financial literacy? And, you know, the nice thing for me is I'm teaching, like I could teach about all the jobs that are out there and it, it just, we get so bogged down with curriculum that you sometimes forget about those general skills. And, you know, even like you, you've been talking about the time management piece and being timely, like teaching virtually, like we got to really work with our kids on doing that. So it, like Will said, it, it's given me a ton to think about that. I'm like, yeah, I can definitely apply this to what I do. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so these last questions are kind of where we kind of like to hang it up for all teachers. And we like to ask everybody, because again, you get a different response with everybody. So the first one is, if you could share a message, imagine you have a billboard up here. Every student in America passing this billboard would see this sign. What would be your message to these students? Um. Never stop advocating for yourself. There's gonna be people in this world that will tell you that you can't do something or because they don't like it or understand it or it doesn't benefit them. And um, I think you can't let that discourage you. So show the world that you are a contributing member of society and that, you know, show them how awesomely unique you are. Awesomely unique. And, you know, and, but, you know, a lot of times people will advocate for other people before they advocate for themselves. And I think that's an interesting dynamic um, that we don't want to, it's almost like we feel like it's selfish to advocate for ourselves when I believe in sometimes in life, it's okay to be selfish. You have yes. to think about yourself in, in, in everything you do. So thank you for that. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And our last question, when it's all said and done, there's no more students to teach. You're, you're relaxing in, the, in the, the California hills, watching the beautiful sunset. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? 
I mean, if a student remembers my name 20 years from now, I'd be pretty stoked about that. But um, in all seriousness, um, if I hear from my students later in life um, and they've made progress with living as independently as possible as they can, then that would make me so happy to hear. Like that's, it's not about my legacy. It's about what their future looks like, I think. All right, so you know, for people that want to connect with you and have access to the resources and stuff you have, what's the best way for them to do that? So I have a blog, which is www.spedadulting.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. My page is Adulting Made Easy. And on Instagram, I am Sped Adulting. And then I'm also Teachers Pay Teachers author. You can find me, Adulting Made Easy, also. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, for your time and for sharing with us on the podcast. Yes. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. We appreciate it.